Good morning, good morning. Good to see you today. Happy Memorial Day weekend. We're going to be in Psalm 1 today. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and make your way there. Turn them on and flip to Psalm chapter 1. And Memorial Day is one of my favorite weekends, Um, not because I'm a huge race fan, uh, but it just reminds us of something very, very important on these weekends, right? Jesus said there's no greater love than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And so Memorial Day weekend, we as a nation remember those that lay down their lives for our country But let this holiday be a reminder for for you and for me of the one who laid down his life, not for a country, but for all who would believe and find salvation. And so it's a a sweet weekend that reminds us of the great grace of Jesus Christ. And so Psalm chapter 1, before we read it today, music is an amazing thing. And that's important because psalms literally means song. This is God's song list. So we're calling it God's playlist through the series as we go through many of the psalms. And it's amazing what music does to you and to me. It does something to our, to our mind and something to our heart, right? It stirs our affections, but it helps us to do things like learn, right? Like many of you, the way you learn the ABCs is through a song, right? Through a rhythm and through a rhyme. Like very few of us learn where we just said A, and then there's B, and there's C, and there's D. Like we learned the song, right? A, B, C, D. Like y'all are singing it in your mind right now. I know you are. Like we have learned through that, right? And so it helps us to learn things, but at the same time, it helps us to remember certain things. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I can forget like really significant birthdays and I can forget where I laid my keys or my phone. Like, I can forget those things. And yet there's certain things with songs I can't forget, right? Like I never forget in West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days chilling out, maxing, relaxing, cooling, or shooting some b-ball outside of the school. A couple guys that were up to no good, started making trouble in the neighborhood. Yeah, I could, I could keep going. I'm like, how in the world do I remember that? But I can't remember important birth dates, right? Like, what is going on? And, and you guys, the same thing. Now, it might be a different song for you, but you can remember these things because songs stir your mind, right? They help you to think and learn and remember things. But it doesn't just stir our minds. It's not just a data dump. But there's something that happens in our heart, too. Like, some of y'all watched the old Rocky Balboa movie, right? Rocky. And you heard Eye of the Tiger. And still to this day, it just jazzes you up. Like you're still exercising and running to Eye of the Tiger because that song it did something emotionally to you. You're like, I gotta get in the gym and I work out because of Eye of the Tiger. Or maybe to the other extreme, there's some songs that you listen to when you're in like low lows. Like, I don't know what song it could be for you, but maybe it's like a, the Beatles song, like Here Comes the Sun. Like you, you've like sang that song. It's like almost a prayer of like, gosh, I'm so low. And that song gives you a sense of comfort. Like it stirs our minds and it stirs our hearts, right? And God knows that. He knows that because that's how he created us. And so one third of the Bible, one third of it is poetry or song. Why? Because God desires to stir our minds and our hearts with affection for him. And so that's what we're going to look at. That's my prayer through the psalm that God would stir our hearts and our minds with love and remembrance and affection for him. So Psalm chapter 1 is where we're going to start. and We'll hit several psalms in the next few weeks. Starting in verse 1, this is what the word of the Lord says. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, 
and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Pray with me. Father God, you are a compassionate Lord. And I ask today that you would lead us to love you and to love your word more. Would you guide our hearts and our minds to delight in the playlist of the Psalms? Would you in your grace give us guidance and in your guidance give us joy and stability? Uphold us by your promises and sustain us with your strength. God, speak to us today. Let me just invite you to, in this moment of silence, just to pray that God would speak to you today. Pray right now. And then pray for me that over these next few minutes, that I would be helpful to you as we look at God's word. Pray for me now. Lord, we love you, and we need you to stir our hearts and minds today. So would you do it in your great grace? Let's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, there's two things I want us to grasp, two primary things I want us to grasp from this psalm today. And the first is this, that the music of God's word brings harmony to our happiness. The music of God's word, the psalms, bring harmony to our happiness. Now, what's interesting to me is as I, as I read the psalms, like this is God's playlist. This is what God chose to put in his Bible for us to sing songs to him. Now, I don't know about you, but it, if I were to ask you, if God's putting together a playlist, what song does he start with? Like for me, I would answer that question and say, well, that he's holy. Like holy, holy, holy. Let's sing about God's holiness. That's track one. Or God, it's your grace. We're going to sing about your grace on track one. Or it's that you're our gracious redeemer, that you've saved us, that you've given us salvation. Like that's where we want to start on track one. But that's not where God's playlist starts. God in his love and in his grace stoops down to us and he starts right where we are. God starts not with him but with us. In verse 1 he says, blessed is the man. And that word for blessed we have to define because... Maybe you're not from the South, but in the South, that's not always a good thing, right? Like when people say, bless your heart. Like if you're from the North, that's not a compliment. Like that's, that's a negative thing. It's a condescension, right? Like, oh, bless them, bless their soul, bless their heart. That's not what it's doing right here. Or maybe we think how the rest of the Bible talks about blessed is they use that word a lot of times to talk about favor with God. It's a specific Hebrew word, which the Bible's written in, that says you've been blessed, you found favor in the sight of God. This word in verse 1 is not that word. This word in verse 1 is happy. Happy is the man. Literally translated, it is one to be envied. The one to be envied is the man or the woman or the person. That's a generic term. Happy. To be envied is the person who does what? Delights in the law of the Lord. Now, this is one of the things that's shocking to me that I'm thankful God's word does. Because when it talks about happiness here, it's hitting at our heartstrings. 
Because we're all searching for happiness, right? It doesn't matter whether you're a follower of Christ or you're not a follower of Christ or you're young or you're old or you have kids or grandkids. You're all seeking for happiness or happiness for your kids or your grandkids, right? Like this is foundational to who we are as a people. And this is where God starts. He says, hey, happiness, if you want to have happiness, it's attainable. Now the reason why that's so shocking to me is because when you're young, you look at happiness and you feel like it's inevitable, you're just going to be happy, right? You're young, I'm going to grow up, I'm going to get a good job, I'm going to have a nice house, I'm going to have good health. Like all these things when you're young, you just assume I'm going to get these things and it's going to make me happy. It's inevitable, right? But then as you get older and you live a little life and you've had a few surgeries and you've gone through some struggles and difficulties, your, your, your perception changes and you're like, man, happiness is unobtainable. There's just no way I'm going to be happy in life. And what I love about God's goodness is that he's like, happiness is possible. You need to know that. And if it's possible, then then why do so few people find it? If God's worth saying as happy as the person, then, then why do so few people find it? It's because so often we look about it look for it in the wrong places and that's where he goes he goes to the negative before he goes to the positive he goes to the don't do these things before he tells us to do these things to find happiness look in verse one he says blessed is a man who walks not he doesn't do these things well what doesn't he do he doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked that word for counsel right there is listen he doesn't listen to what the world is saying and let that influence him instead he's letting the word of God influence him So there's a listening aspect that the person doesn't do. But then it says, nor does he stand in the way of sinners. So now he's not just listening, but he's standing there. And that word for standing means a behavior. You haven't just listened to what the world has said. Now you're like, well, maybe I'm going to act like it. Maybe I'm going to do what they're saying that I should do. So you first listened, and now you're starting to behave like the sinners. And then last, finally, you sit in the seat of scoffers. You sit there. At that time when they would talk about somebody that would sit somewhere, that's where you identified. You would go home and you would sit with your family. This is my family. I identify as one of the family. Or you worked in a certain trade and so you would go and you would sit in a certain area and say, this is what I identify. This is my job. This is what I identify with. Or you would sit with your friends and say, these are my group of friends right here. I sit with them. We talk together. Where you sit is what you identified with. And right here, he's saying, you're not going to find happiness when you sit with those who run against the grain of God's way. You're not going to find it. And I, and I love the progression or regression, however you want to look, look at it from verse 1. It starts with just a walk, right? Just a, a walk in the counsel of the wicked. And after you've walked and listened for a little bit, then you finally you stop and you, you stand there for a little bit. And you, maybe I do want to do this. And then finally, you sit down. And isn't that so true how sin leads us that way? We, we rarely, if ever, jump to sitting in the seat of scoffers. We walk and listen, and then we finally stand, and then we sit and embrace our identity in a place where we cannot find happiness, nor peace, nor joy. This is what God's word is warning us against. If we desire happiness, if we desire that joy and that blessedness, then we have to reject these things. 
And it's so interesting here because it talks about the wicked and the sinners and the scoffers. And you're like, what is that? Who are those people? People who are wicked and sinners and scoffers, the way God's word is talking about it is are people who reject the way of God. These are the people that when there's decisions in their life with their career or their finances or their sexual ethic, the first question they ask is, well, what is the world saying? Should I live that out? What is my heart telling me? Yeah, I want to do that. Not sitting down and sifting with what the world says and how I feel and saying, no, 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 what does God say? And framing your, your thoughts and your feelings and your life and decisions off the word of God. See, that's what it talks about when it's talking about sinners and wicked people and scoffers. It's people who look and say, I don't care what God says. I don't want to do anything he has to say. I want to do things my way because that's where real freedom is found. That's what it's talking about right here. And he's saying that's not where happiness is found. It's not where true blessedness is going to be found. But this is a very, very popular worldview. So many people live in this worldview of just, you know where happiness is? Getting everything I want. And if I get everything my soul and my heart tells me that I want and I desire, then I'll be happy. God's word is saying no. And if you listen close enough, the world is telling you you won't be happy in those things. Just listen to the world. If you don't want to listen to God's word, listen to the world. Three musical artists that you're going to see pictures of on the screen here. One musical artist, Eminem, who I don't typically quote in sermons, right? Um, he made this statement. He said, you have to be careful what you wish for. This is his quote. I'm reading it verbatim. You have to be careful what you wish for. I always wished for this. But as it has become more and more of a nightmare than a dream. He's had everything that his heart and his mind and his soul told him that he needed. And he's saying it's a nightmare. It's not a dream. Billie Eilish. She had the number one album, album in 2019 at the age of 18. Let that settle in. Number one album in the world at the age of 18. And in an interview with her, she said, fame is trash. And the interviewer said, why is it trash? And she said, because the more famous that I've got, the less I enjoy my life. Think about that. The world is already telling you what God's word is saying. You're not going to find happiness in these things. Justin Bieber recently said, I had a lot of money, clothes, car, accolades, achievements, awards, and I still was unfulfilled. And so he wrote this song called Lonely that explains his journey of not finding happiness in all these things. God's word is telling us you're not going to find happiness when you think that you have everything your heart desires. Our heart is deceitful above all things. The happy man, the blessed man, is the one who comes to God and his word and says, God, what do you desire for my life? You designed me, you craft me, you made me. So what is your desire for me? How do you want me to live? What way do you want me to walk? He's telling us that. And in verse 2, it dives in deep into this, that it's found in God's word. It says, the happy man is one who delights in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. Now, what I love about this is that God is telling us in this moment that happiness is found outside of us. It's found in something much greater than us. I mean, if you live your life trying to find happiness, you're going to end up with empty hands. You're like, I just want to be happy. I want to be happy. I want to make every decision to make me happy. And then you turn around, you're like, it's chasing the wind. Like, I never can get it. But God's word is saying, if you seek something greater, 
then happiness will be given to you. You see, in the Bible, when it talks about blessedness and joy and happiness, even Jesus didn't say, blessed are those who seek blessedness, for they'll find blessedness. That's not what he said. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. Righteousness. You see, if you seek righteousness and you seek the Lord, you get happiness thrown in. If you seek happiness, then you'll miss everything. And the psalmist is writing here and he's like, my happiness is found in something far greater than myself. It's not in my feelings. It's not in my circumstances. It's found in delighting in the law of the Lord. And I'm thankful that he says delight there. And he doesn't say just like a wretched endurance of the law of the Lord. Like I've got to march through all this morality and I've got to do that. No, he finds joy and he finds happiness in God's word. And then it even says that he meditates on it day and night. He thinks on it. That's what it means, meditate, to turn over in your mind again and again. You speak it to yourself. You think on it. God's word is meant to be savored like a hard candy. And not like how my three-year-old savors hard candy. My three-year-old right now, you hand him a lollipop. And he'll grab that lollipop and bite and bite and then hand me the stick back. Like two bites of a lollipop. I'm like, son, you're missing out on the joy of savoring a lollipop. Like, enjoy the flavor. Enjoy the goodness of it. And he just bites it and crunches it. And that's what we do when we come to God's word so often. We're not looking to delight in it. We're not looking to meditate on it. We're like, okay, how can I read my Bible in less than five minutes and get in and out and let's move on. And hopefully God in his goodness and his grace will give me some savory nugget that I can remember. God's saying, no, come and Rest in my word. Find happiness and joy in my word. Let it be savored in your mind and in your heart. Delight in the word of God. That's what he's calling us to do. That's what he's inviting us to do. Just this past week, somebody asked, I'm really struggling to believe that God loves me. Like, where do I turn? Where do I go to know that God loves me? Like, the the Bible What chapter, what book of the Bible? The whole thing. Like if you want to know if God loves you, it's it's found right here. As we turn page after page with him showing his goodness and his grace to us. If you want to know that God loves you, it's not by looking at your works and saying, oh, I've been such a great person this week. God must love me. It's by coming to his word and saying, man, I don't deserve to be loved. And yet God in his goodness and his grace has loved me. Even when, even when I walked in the way of sinners and I sat in the seat of scoffers, God still loved me. And that's where we find the love and the grace of God is through his word. Delight in it, meditate on it. And it says do it day and night. Why? Because in the morning we need to read God's word so it guides our steps throughout the day. It helps us to make the decisions that we would speak with our mouth or think with our minds. It guides us. And then at night, why at night? Why do I need to meditate and delight on God's word at night? Because when we're exhausted from the toil of working all day and temptation creeps in and we're ready to give in to this temptation or that temptation, we remember God's word and we delight in it. We meditate on it. It's calling us to do it day and night, night and day. And it brings peace, rest, and joy. Now, I believe at least internally, that this is probably the most controversial verse for the church, for Christians, for believers in all the Bible. Let me tell you why. 
because we believe that this word is true, right? We're in a, we have a deep conviction that this word is true and we believe in it, which is why we're here today. Which, thank you for being here. It's a holiday weekend. There's a race going on, right? There's a lot here going on, but you chose to be here this morning because of the deep conviction for God's word. And that's a good thing. But where the controversy comes in is that we believe it's true, but is there a deep conviction in our hearts and in our minds that not only is it true, but this is where we find happiness? Is this where we truly believe as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, that it's in God's word we find joy and we find delight? That's where we falter, right? That's where the controversy, like, no, 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 like, it's true, God is good, yeah, but there's happiness in all these other areas. And God's word is telling us, no, if you want to find happiness, it's in delighting in the word and it's meditating on it. So let me ask you, when you feel low and you feel down, where are you running for your happiness? Do you run to an addiction? Like, ah, oh, that's where I'm going to find my happiness. Do you flirt with somebody in order to get acceptance because that's what makes you feel happy? I mean, where do you run when you desire for happiness? God's saying it's right here. It's found in my word. And so if you hear that and you think, okay, I like that. That sounds great, but how do I get there? I'm not there yet, Ryan. I want to be there where I delight and, and my heart has, a, has an affection for God's word. But how do I get there? And the first thing I would tell you is just application is cry out to God. Cry out to God. A.W. Tozer, great pastor, author, wrote many books, followed the Lord and loved him faithfully. But he made this quote. He said, as a prayer to God, Oh God, I have tasted that you are good. And it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. But I am painfully aware of my need for further grace. And I am ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, I want to want you. I am longing to be filled with a longing for you. I want to have a thirst to be made thirstier. He's praying that. I mean, this guy has written, written books about God and the attributes of God and the goodness of God. And he's saying, my heart at times does not delight in your word. I just don't desire you. And so what does he do? He prays, God, help me. Change the taste buds of my heart that I would desire the things of your word that I would find delight and I would find joy in thinking about your word and meditating on your word, that I would savor it throughout my day. And so if you're there and you're like, I want to I be there, but I'm not quite there yet, cry out to God. But also commit to church. Commit to church. And, and not just Sunday morning attendance, that's great and it is a good thing, but get committed into a, a small group. And here's why. As much as I love preaching and it's a privilege to preach, a sermon can inspire you, but a small group community will shape you. It'll shape you. And it'll even shape you in the negative sense if you don't have a good community. That's what verse 1 is telling us. They sit in the seat of scoffers. But when you get involved with a Christian community that loves God and loves his word and talks about it and encourages one another... It shapes your life, that you start to delight in these things. You start to see how other people are, they're going through a hard time and God's word has strengthened them. And you remember that and you're like, man, when I'm in a hard time, God is strengthening me. 
But it also reminds you that not all of us are going through hard times. You talk to people who are on those mountaintops, like God has blessed me, it's great, and God's there too. That Christian community will shape you far more than just a Sunday morning sermon inspires you. So get committed to the church. And third, create rhythms to read God's word. Create rhythms to read God's word in your life. Set set aside time each day to to read and to think about it. Set reminders on your phone that would buzz with a a verse maybe that you're memorizing. Memorize it with your friends and your, your kids. There's an app that I use called Verses. That's just a great app to help you remember it. It'll sing it to you, it'll repeat it to you, it'll do fill in the blanks. And all of that are just ways for you and I to to think about the Word of God and to meditate on it. And if you're like, that's still too much, you know, where do I start if I want to read? Like tomorrow, if I want to get up and read the Bible, where do I go next? We're about to go through several Psalms, and you'll see it on the screen here. Maybe right now, write down those different Psalms that we're going to go through as a church. And this week, just read them. Like this week, maybe we're doing Psalm 2 next Sunday. You read it and you think about it and you read it over and over again this week. And then you come in next week and you hear the word unpacked in a new way. And then you go to chapter 3 and chapter 4. And this is like your rhythm for which you're reading and you're memorizing and you're thinking about the word of God. And see how it lifts up your soul. And it gives you delight in knowing that even with Psalm 4, in peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is just one good nugget for our heart and our soul. God desires for us to do this, to find our happiness in his word. Now, I know that some of you guys online or in this room are thinking, well, Ryan, you have to say that. You're a a pastor, right? You have to say happiness is found in the word. I don't have to say that, but I do believe it because that's what the word of God says. But let me tell you why I believe this is where our happiness is found. And the reason why is because the music of God's word fits the rhythms of God's world. The music of God's word fits the rhythms of God's world. And this is why we find happiness in it. What does that mean that the music of God's word fits the rhythm of God's world? God's word is revealing to us the reality that we live in. It's describing it, it's defining it, it's telling us the way our world is. How does God know? Because he created it. He fashioned it and he made it a certain way. And yes, our sin has broken and marred his perfect creation. But yet God knows the depths of our heart. He knows the depths of sin. And he's telling us, hey, in your, in your world, do these things and don't do these things. Because he's showing us how to live in the world which he created. He's the creator. You see, we, we should find joy because God through his, the music of his word is saying, this is the rhythms of the world. If you want to be a happy, joyful person, this is how I created it. This is how I made the world. This is where you're going to find happiness. You see, the, the Bible talks about the law of the Lord is true. How can a law be true? It's just a law, right? Like, I never drive down the street and think, oh, speed limit's 45 miles an hour. Man, that is so true. Mm, That's true. Like, what is he he talking about as the Psalms turn the pages and say, the law of the Lord is true? It's saying it's defining reality. God's law, God's commands is telling us this is how the world works. This is how the world was made. 
And so what we find is if we work against the rhythms and the rhymes of God's word, we start to wither away. When we break the commandments of God, what we find is the commandments of God break us. They break our soul and our mind. And not because God's commands are mean or cranky, but it's because it's reality. God is telling us how to live in this world so we can find happiness and joy and peace. This is some of the reason why some of you struggle to follow Jesus. Because you're like, "Mm mm-mm, I don't want commands in my life. No, no, because I want to do things my way. And you think that doing things your own way is where you find freedom. And it's actually where you end up finding bondage. And if you thought for just a little bit, we love, we love structure. We love to have rules in place. We do. Like even the songs that we listen to, there's a rhythm to that. There's a structure to that. But none of us are like, "Mm -mm, no, no, no. We do not want structure in our songs. We want free-flowing songs. No, the songs that we have, most of them, it goes verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus. That's, that's what, how songs are written, and yet we love them. We eat them up. We listen to them over and over again because we love these rhythms. We love these rhymes. We love structure. We're like, ah, oh, it's so confining. It's, it's bonding. We, you know, we, we want to be free-flowing. No, it's protective. It's loving. It, it, it saves us. I've never heard of anybody who was bungee jumping saying, man, this bungee cord is restricting, it's bounding my feet up. I can't believe these guys are making me wear these bungee cords. No. They're like, man, I'm thankful how these bungee cords are so I can actually jump off and enjoy something that if I didn't have this cord would kill me. And God's word is, is that structure, that law that guides us, not to suppress us, but to free us. And so, yes, there's joy found in that. There's joy found in this freedom, and that's what God is telling us. In that stability of his word, we find freedom. But also in his word, what we find is sustainability. Sustainability in every single season of life. Look at verse 3. The one who delights in God's word, he describes him like a tree, right? And not just any tree, not just a tree in a field. He chooses a tree planted beside streams of water. He's saying a happy person is the one whose roots grow into the water of God's word. And when your roots grow deep into the water of God's word, there's three things in verse 3 that it describes for us. It says that if you are that kind of person, it yields fruit in its season. What does that mean, it yields fruit in its season? It means a happy person that delights in God's word ultimately becomes a life-giving person. They bear fruit. What is, is it fruit for the tree? No. Somebody comes and they'll pull a fruit off and they'll eat it. Or that fruit will drop to the ground and a seed will form and, and grow up another tree for the next generation to have shade or food to eat. Like when you bear fruit, it's a life-giving thing. And this is just a glimpse of ultimately the fulfillment of Psalm 1 in Jesus Christ. The one who delighted in the law of the Lord. Who when he hung on a cross and died was still singing the songs of Psalm. And he's giving his life so that we could be life-giving people. That's what a happy person is. One who gives for the good of others. But the only way you can give to the good of others is if you can see past yourself. It's not all about me. 
And God's word helps us to see that. But it also says that his leaf does not wither. And I love this because what this is doing right here in this moment is it's showing us that those that put their roots deep by the water of God's word, they have endurance and it goes on. You see, it says that they yield fruit in its season. It doesn't say they yield fruit year round, but in the right season. And then it says, but his leaf never withers. It's an evergreen tree. So it doesn't matter if it gets to the point where there's winters of loneliness and there's droughts of depression and there's storms of temptation. Your soul still remains steadfast and stable. It's evergreen. Why? Because it's founded in the word of God. This is the goodness of God to give us his word that we could find happiness and endurance in all seasons of life. But it also tells us in all that he does, in all that he does, he prospers. Now we hear that word prosper and we think prosperity gospel or like I'll be, have health, wealth, and happiness. Like that's what we think of when we think of prospers. But that's not what that word means. It literally means nothing will be done in vain. Nothing to be done in vain. You see where happiness comes in with that? I mean, so many of us are trying to find happiness in our work or in our marriage, and we're coming up and we're like, oh, this feels all in vain. I'm doing the same thing I did yesterday. I brush my teeth and I get in the car and I go to work or I go to school and I come home. Oh, it feels so in vain. And God's word saying, no, if you think about God's word and you know that he has created you for a purpose, He's placed you and put actually the boundaries of your life in place for his glory and for your good. You find joy. You find delight in that. And everything you do, it prospers. It's not in vain. Why? Because it echoes into eternity. And we know that. God's word is promising us here. There's a path before us. It's the path that gives us increase and endurance and it lasts forever. Happy is the man who lives and delights in the law of the Lord. But then it contrasts it again before it ends. And it says, but this isn't true of the wicked. He says, the wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. Now, I find it fascinating that God's word doesn't say the righteous man is like the man that's a tree beside water. And the unrighteous or the wicked person is a tree in a field way over here. They're both trees. They're different trees. One's near the water. One's not. No. He uses something as far from a tree as you can get. Something that has no roots and has no life and has no fruit. I mean, you see this picture on the screen right now. What they would do at that time is chaff was the husk that was on the grain of, of wheat. So to get that husk off, they would put it in this bowl and they'd toss it up in the air and the wind would blow away that husk. And God's word is saying that if you're going to live for yourself, and you're going to live by your own rules and your own ways, you're like, I don't want you to be the Lord of my life, then your life is ultimately just blown around by the wind. You're the shell of the person that you were meant to be and created to be. God desires to restore you to the depths that you can't even imagine. And yet you're living like chaff blown away by the wind. So the paths are before us in Psalm 1. Verse 1, blessed is the man, happy is the man or woman or person 
who loves the Lord and his word. But then look at verse six. But the way of the wicked will perish. The way of the wicked will perish. Those are the two paths. And I know some of you think, even sometimes how I thought, but not how the word of God thinks. You're thinking, God, there has to be a third way. God, there has to be a third way. Like you're saying there's just the righteous and there's the wicked. But Ryan, like my neighbor, they're a good moral person. Like they're a good ethical person. Like they're not, they're not wicked. Or I have this family member that I love a lot. They're a good person, right? They're not wicked. Like you're saying there's only two paths, the righteous and the wicked. Like no, they can't be. There's got to be a third way. And that's because our minds don't think like how God's word describes the world. You see, God's word doesn't describe good and evil based on morals. Not primarily. It's not on an ethical standard. The way God's word talks about those who are wicked and those who are righteous is through relationship. Jesus said that this is the greatest commandment, that you would love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. You would love him, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. It is about a relationship. Even in this psalm, in Psalm 1, it says the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the wicked will perish. He knows the way. It's a personal, relational term. And so, yeah, when God's word talks about the wicked and the righteous, it's those that know and love God and are following him and those who don't. And so where are you today? Which path are you on? It's your chance to choose as God stirs in your heart. And we see that in verse 3. It says he's like a tree planted by streams of water. This isn't a wild tree that the seed just fell from another tree. It was planted there. God has stirred in your heart, and you have to choose to plant your life by the streams of water, obeying his word, being saved not by your works, but by the works of Jesus Christ and delighting in him choose the day he will serve. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace to speak to us where we're asking the most questions. God, our hearts long for satisfaction and long for happiness. And Lord, your playlist, your song list starts with happy is the man, happy is the woman, happy is the person who delights in your word. But God, we know that this is a choice that we have to make. God, you laid out the truth before us. You stirred by your spirit in our hearts to even see it, to hear it. And so now, God, with the power of your spirit, would you move? And I would say if you're here today and you've never made that commitment to love and follow Christ, you've been trying to walk that third path of morality, would you today just pray, God, I know that I have listened to ungodly counsel, that I have walked in the way of sinners, that I have sat in the seat of scoffers. But Lord, no one is beyond your reach. So would you please save me? Would you create in me a happy soul and a happy heart as I place my life, my hope, my peace in you?
Pray that now and know that God hears and he saves. And for the Christian in the room, that turmoil within your heart of, I know God's word is true, but I struggle to delight in it. Would you today just pray, God, change the taste buds in my heart that I would find joy and pleasure and delight in your word, that I would savor it. Help me to savor it today. Savor it this week. Pray now that God would change your heart as well. Lord, thank you that you're the God of all power and might and strength and love. And that you can change and redeem even the scoffer to a follower of you. God, thank you for doing that for me and for others today. Lord, may we sing your song of grace now as we praise your name. It's in your name we pray. Church, let's stand and let's sing.